Welcome to Leaders with Ambition, the podcast that delves deep into the careers of some of the UK's most successful leaders working in professional services firms. We aim to discover the secrets behind their success, the challenges they've overcome, and to find out what traits make a successful leader. Good afternoon and welcome to the latest Leaders with Ambition podcast. And today I am delighted to welcome my guest, Verity Jackson-Grant, who is Head of Marketing and Business Development for Pricing at Simmons & Simmons. She has got a really interesting story to share with us today. I think you're going to get lots of exciting ideas on the back of this podcast. A big theme has been about grasping opportunities for Verity and also really making the best of situations. And I think the interesting thing will be Verity sharing how she's worked with partners to ensure that the business development and marketing function is seen as such a value-add area, not just administrative task, and that comes out um, throughout the podcast. But without further ado, I shall pass you over to Verity to talk through her career history today. Verity, over to you. Thanks, Nikki. So I'll start with a bit about my schooling, because I think that sort of sets the scene. Originally, I started at a stage school, but fairly quickly, I moved on to a mainstream school. And I think that was mainly because my brother, who was about 14 at the time, he was tasked with taking me to school each day on the bus to Hammersmith. And he spent most of the time, I think, bunking off and taking me to a friend's house. So I think it, fairly quickly, I moved into a mainstream school, but just, you know, just like the local state school in the area. Education wasn't really that big an importance in our house, particularly school was just one of those things that you had to do. And I think when I look back on my childhood I think more of the memories are around sort of sport than school and and education so I I think it's always useful to sort of start with that little preamble because you hear so often within law of of people that had a really strong academic family and background and, and quite a lot of focus on on education and on doing well at school And I didn't really have that. I did do well at school. You know, I did well enough at school, but more through literally just attending and then sitting the exams rather than from a hard study point of view. And didn't you share with me that your parents were really passionate about extracurricular activities? And I think that was something that you and and your siblings as well um, excelled at. I think they really what they were just trying to do was just to help us to follow our passion or find our passion and then follow it in, you know, whatever that might be. So I don't it's not that they didn't want us to do well at school, but they just broadened our, our extracurricular mm-hmm. activities um, quite a lot. So my, my brother was, he was in a, a well-known TV show um, as a kid, which you know, hence the stage school and was an ice skater, but he now runs his own business. And one of my sisters is a prison governor and now the COO of the youth justice board. And then my other sister, uh, she was an Olympic gymnast at 14 wow. and, and she's now a VP in a supply chain management company. So, oh. So actually, your parents did the right thing. I, I think. I, well, I yeah. think. I think what they did is is they did the right thing for each of us individually, and didn't sort of force us down the the, the heavy schooling route. And it's turned out that we found things that we enjoy doing, and that that in itself has meant that we've done well at them. I think. Yeah, great. Really great background. Interesting. When you found your your first role then, it was, I think you said to me, it wasn't the fact that you necessarily had this career path in mind. It was that you needed to earn some money so you could get a flat. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, so I, I did law at university, but only because it was the only topic that interested me and I didn't want to go to work. When I graduated, again, I, I, I had never really thought about what I might do for, for a living. I was fairly sure I was going to be some sort of, you know, famous, whatever, you know, rich, and it would just magically happen. And it, it didn't. And I'd seen a flat that I wanted to buy. So as soon as I graduated, I got online and I, um, I found the first job that was interviewing. I went along, I got the job. It happened to be in legal expenses insurance. Now, I didn't even know what that was at the time, I think. And I was, I'm going to say I did a quick Google, but it was very early days for Google. So I'm not sure it would have been Google, but I, I looked on the internet to see what legal expenses was or checked a dictionary as the time might have <laughs> might have indicated and thought that sounds vaguely interesting I can do that and actually when I got there I realized that I have a, a really geeky um, for this really niche area of insurance called legal expenses insurance so I started out in the claims department but fairly quickly moved into the underwriting department and nice. I was really lucky because it was at a time when it was a really developing area of insurance and so there were good roles coming up and good career progression for, for people that didn't really have much experience because nobody had any experience. And the people that had experience in other areas of insurance, they couldn't really afford to take the punt on a new, a new area and on you know, the, the relatively low wage that it would be paying at the time. So I managed to move into underwriting for after the event insurance. Um, and that's played a huge part in my life going forward. It's well, that's a, the interesting thing, isn't it? Because I think it does reflect in a lot of the roles that you subsequently had where you've been able to pull on your network and you know assist uh, some of the firms that you've worked with, some of the partners in, in areas that they wanted to, to pick up specialisms in. Yeah, it, it just seems to be a, a, you know, it doesn't matter how hard I try and get away from the industry. <laughs> I, always, I always get pulled back in. <laughs> and, and obviously, I don't fight that too much because, because yeah. it's an industry that, that I really enjoyed and it, it, it kind of floats my boat. So after a while of being an underwriter, I moved into moved to a brokerage. Two of the underwriters that I'd worked with previously had, had moved across and, and bought into a brokerage that specialized in, and still does actually, in litigation insurance and then litigation funding as the market developed. So I spent a few years as a, as a broker and really that time was spent um, driving around the country, visiting lots of different law firms of all different levels, educating them on, on this relatively new area of insurance as it was at the time and talking to them and their clients about how their clients might be able to transfer that risk of losing a court case and having to pay the other nice. side's costs. And a few years into doing that, I worked with Mishkon Torea as part of that role to help them to build a wrapper really around what was available in the market, a product for their litigation clients. And the opportunity arose to, to join their team. So I, I moved across to be a business development manager um, at Mishkondorea at that point. Which is a great opportunity for you to have um, grasped there as well. And when you were traveling around meeting various partners in law firms, do you think that has helped subsequently in you being able to build relationships in your roles as well? Because it was more of a humanized role when you were meeting and selling and moving into business development. You're still selling as well, aren't you? But was it a, an yeah. easier path, do you think, to building rapport with the partners? I think it was a double-edged sword. On the one hand, I was used to sort of being treated as an equal. I was going in and I was educating them on something they didn't know and that they wanted to know and that would help yeah. them and their clients. So 
on the one hand, I had the confidence to have partner level discussions and to have sort of open discussions where I would be putting forward my views and, and w- would expect them to consider them respectfully, if not, if even if they don't agree with them. Um, so on the one hand, I think it was really useful for that. On the other hand, I had never really thought, and this shows that I do no preparation in any job that I go to clearly, because I had never really thought about the internal workings of a law firm and, and what business development might do within a law right. firm. And when I interviewed for Mishkan Dorea, it was with Elliot Moss, who was fairly new to law at that time because he'd come from advertising. And between us, I think we had come up with this sort of like idea that what I would be doing wouldn't be that dissimilar. It, it would be selling or helping to sell. But actually, we're talking quite a long time ago, and it was the time when business development was quite administrational. And I'm not very good at admin. It's some people's skill set, and it's it's unfortunately not not mine. And I, I found the adjustment quite hard because I would be going in wanting to have detailed conversations with partners about their clients, and actually they would be expecting me to send flowers to a client or make things look pretty, which you know, I didn't really have any experience in. So I think it looks like it was a double-edged sword in, in that respect, but um, it was a, a really interesting move, a really eye-opener of a move. And I learned so much in that time from both Elliot and from the teams there. It's a really interesting place of, of really clever, you know, albeit slightly eccentric people. Yeah, that's great. And then I think at, at that period of time, you had your family as well. You, you had your daughter, didn't you? Yeah. So I had both my children whilst I was at, at Mishcon with relatively short maternity leaves, just, a, I think, four or five months per child. And when I came back from my second maternity leave, I think I, I sort of felt that if I settled back in, I might stay at Mishcon forever. So at that point, I had a look around the market and the, the role at Herbert Smith Freehills came up to originally it was to lead their commercial litigation BD. But once there and with, you know, movements within the team, the role quickly grew to global arbitration and then later on to head of BD for UK and US. That Slight an opportunity, Verity, though. Oh, my gosh. You must have been so ready to take on the challenge. And I think that's what you do. You do grab challenges, don't you? You don't wait for them to come well, to you. <laughs> I like to be busy. Um, <laughs> and and I, and I, I, can't, I don't like things to be undone, even if they're not necessarily within my area if I can see something needs doing and there's nobody else to do it then often I'll I'll step in and and pick that up and I think that's kind of what what happened a little bit at at HSF is is like I say we had people from the team moving to different roles and other roles becoming coming vacant so so my role grew there that again was in the in the disputes department so there was plenty of opportunity for me to bring in my particular skill set in litigation funding and and after the event insurance um, into that role and whilst I was there, I worked with the head of pricing at the time and the, the head of disputes to, to put in place the disputes focused pricing team with John O'Donoghue, um, which I think was really interesting for me, given my background in essentially risk transfer um, pricing for disputes. And did you feel then, because I mean, that again, you were you were helping to formulate something quite different weren't you at the time there did you feel could you feel it did it feel that things were getting exciting and changing in your career at the time it felt that really was the right thing to do for HSF disputes was to decentralize the the pricing team and I think it had a huge impact 
on the disputes team there. And I think it continues to because they do a great job and they've they've really progressed matters far beyond what what I think most firms have done with their pricing teams. So yeah, so it was it was exciting personally, but and professionally. Yeah. But I also think for for HSF they did absolutely the right thing, and that John coming in has really sort of revolutionised the way that they price in that department. And he was definitely somebody that you um, respected, and he inspired and very inspirational character. I think you said to me as well, haven't you? In the way that he operated and getting the best yeah. out of teams and building teams. I think he's a visionary. He has some great ideas, and he has the tenacity to to push them through so I I think he's he's just brilliant to watch if you know what I mean and 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 he he would expect me to say and I will say he rubs people up the wrong way sometimes because of that tenacity and because things don't move as fast as he'd like them to but um but yeah I I learned a lot from him and then your next stage after HSF so whilst I was at HSF I was approached by the brokerage that I had worked at previously it's called the judge they came to me and said that they had grown and that they needed someone really to come back and do to lead their business development efforts. So I thought about it really long and hard at the time. And, and I thought, you know, actually, I, I I could do with a change. That sounds like a good challenge. It's backing litigation funding and after the event insurance, but but back at a time when that market had has exploded and, and it's much more commonplace now. So I, I went back to do that specifically. It's a topic that I'm really passionate about. So yeah, it didn't take much convincing. I think. How did you find that step into, you've been working at some really large law firms, how did you find taking that step into a smaller environment? I found it really challenging. I thought I'd be okay because I'm quite capable of making my own work, if you see what I mean, and filling my own day. I don't really need somebody to tell me what it is I need to be doing or to feed me work. So I, I thought, you know, this will be absolutely fine. I actually found it really lonely, not for anything wrong with the company itself or, or, or anything that they were doing, but I found it really hard to transition from a massive international law firm with a big team of people around me that I can bounce off ideas and you know learn from to be suddenly working on your own for the majority of time. I found really quite isolating. Yeah. And whilst I do love the topic, I just found that I wanted to be amongst people again. And I think that's a really important to be aware of that yourself, isn't it? Of what you know, what you enjoy and what yeah. you know gets you to push forward to the next stage. And it's that collaboration, being around good people, but also paying it forward your learns as well. Yeah, and I'm not all that good at focusing on just one thing and having quite mm. a you know a small a small remit, however important that is. I, I I tend to enjoy it much more if I've got. 15 different plates spinning across different projects so I think I learned that about myself but but as you say I I missed sort of mentoring others and managing others too I missed the the human sort of development piece that that you just don't get so much when you're part of a very small team and you're all quite senior yeah and then again interesting story for you is that timings worked incredibly well for you you then were looking at for your next opportunity yeah, well, I was starting to think, you know, I'm not really, I'd, I'd given it 18 months or so, and I was starting to think, well, I, I just can't see that this is going to be something that I want to be doing for much longer. And I hadn't really cast the net out or anything. I, I was just, just sort of thinking that way. And um, I had a conversation with Owen Williams, who I worked with at Herbert Smith Freehills previously. And he said that he had uh, two maternity leaves coming up and let's talk. He was going off on holiday and I was going off on holiday 
he was going to Cayman, I was going to to Florida literally the next day. So we, were, we just decided we'd touch base again when when we both got back from holiday. I went to Florida for a week and then we went on a, a cruise um, and it was supposed to be going one way around the Caribbean, but there was a hurricane. And so we rerouted effectively around the other way. And, and I knew that Owen was in Grand Cayman. And so when the captain announced over the tannoy that we would be making an unscheduled stop for the day um, in Grand Grand Cayman, I, I obviously I, I text him to say I wasn't stalking him. I'd, um, <laughs> and, uh, and did you want to spend the day? Because we both have kids of a, of a similar age. Did did you want to spend the right. day with the families together? And and so we did. And uh, whilst there, he he told me more about the maternity cover that he had going in disputes and so I I, I you as well your sweet spot yeah yeah I do love yeah. that if you're, going, if you're going to be interviewed anywhere you might as well make it in an exotic location it might as well be be a beach in Grand Cayman mightn't it <laughs> I love it that's yeah. such a good story and again it shows about you know one of these themes with you taking opportunities and and really running with it as well but a lot of people wouldn't have thought oh actually I'm going to be in the same time at the same place as somebody who we're trying to connect with to discuss a role that really wasn't so much the reason that we got together it really was just that we're friends and we have kids of a similar age it's just whilst you know it just happened to be at the same time as he had a vacancy which turned out to be convenient <laughs> I did honestly I didn't go all the way to Grand Cayman just to track down a job <laughs> but that would be an even better story actually if you had done I <laughs> slightly scary but yeah <laughs> fantastic and then the role that when you took on this opportunity you took on the maternity cover and then you were offered another position at the towards the end of the maternity cover weren't you is that correct yeah so technically it was it was two maternity covers because there's obviously a seat at Simmons and Simmons that you shouldn't sit on um, because (laughs) the practice manager and the senior BD manager for disputes were both off at the same time. So it it was a a combined maternity cover and COVID hit during it. So so it was a really interesting time to be doing a BD role, obviously, at, uh, at a firm. And as the maternity leave came to an end, Eddie and Owen, so Eddie, the director of, of MBD at Simmons and Simmons, and, and Owen, my boss, they said to me, "What would you do if you stayed?" And gave me the opportunity to write a, a job spec and, and kind of a, a business plan of of what I might do. And what I put together was the head of pricing role that I do now. Simmons had had a, a pricing team a while ago, but that had kind of disbanded, and finance had taken on a lot of the tasks. But what I envisaged and what I do now is. I do do some of the numbers where appropriate, but more than that, my role is is more of a a client-focused, client-facing a lot of the time, commercial role, having discussions with clients about what it is that they they want in terms of their fee structures and then what their fee objectives are, taking that back and acting as a conduit between client team, finance, our service excellence team, whoever needs to be involved, building a solution for for the client and then articulating it back to them so what an amazing opportunity and the fact that you were able to almost write the job spec yourself and do a pitch and put the business case together as well it was a really great opportunity and and I'm really grateful to the people at Simmons for having sort of having the confidence in me to to put something together and the role is really interesting because it can kind of go where I think it should go provided there's business need for that so it takes on the the typical sort of 
pricing conversation across the firm with regard to panel rates or, or significant individual matters and just pricing strategy behind clients. But then I also obviously devise alternative fee arrangements. I'm responsible for sourcing and structuring any sort of litigation funding or after event insurance um, that we might put in place. And more recently, they've allowed me to move into fee earning to advise clients on the options available for their disputes, but also to work with people in our funds team and, and in our disputes team to advise litigation funders and new entrants into the market on sort of typical litigation funding market practices and standards. So I feel like they've really put some faith in me to make my own choices as to what I can really add value in. And they, yeah. they you know, it seems to be going well so far. What a different role. There's not many people like you in the market at the moment operating in that capacity with a marketing and business development background. So it's, you're a real trailblazer. Well, I've just kind of gone where the wind has taken me. And I, I think the role has just evolved around me looking around the firm and seeing what needs to be done. So I think it was less of a conscious decision to create something that didn't exist right. and, and much more of a where can I add value? What is it can I, that I can do? Yeah, I really, really liked Simmons to Simmons. I really wanted to stay there. So I really wanted to come up with something that a space that needed to be filled that I could fill and, and do it justice for. And that's the interesting thing, isn't it? When you're so in a firm and you can recognize and see the areas that you can add value and it's something different. And, you know, then I think one of the one of the things that really shines out with you is you're not afraid to have conversations and also offer ideas to people. And I think that's something that, you know, you live and breathe throughout your career, haven't you? I think it's it's really helped that more often than not, the people I've been working with, the people who have been managing me have been open to those conversations as well. So it's enabled me to build confidence having those decisions. I think that there was, Simmons is, is such an easy place to go go up to, to somebody, even managing partner, senior partner, and say, I've got this idea. What do you think? They may say it's not for us, but they'll do so respectfully, having heard yeah. you out. So I think that's really helped. So part of it is probably me being a bit too big for my boots and, and putting forward ideas. But on the flip side, I think it's it's about finding the people that will listen to them. Yeah. And also, I think from your perspective as well is, you know, as you were saying earlier, you're always looking for work. You know, you're not a person that you're in your narrow lane and there's my lane. I need to stay in there to get to the end of my lane. You're always looking around and taking on more responsibility, extra workloads. Yeah, probably really irritating for some people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't like to be bored. I, I like to have lots of things to do and I, and I work much better if I have too much to do than if I don't have enough. If you see what I mean, I, I yeah. seem to pace myself to what's available. Having said that, I do also think that in business development, if you've got no work on, you're not really doing it right. There's always something to do, isn't there, in your line of work? There should be, yeah. <laughs> so what would you looking back on your career then what do you class as being your highlights because there's been a lot of real positives throughout your time so far what would you class as your highlights I think there's a few really I think getting the really good foundation in after event insurance early on it may not have been a highlight but it's it's created a really good foundation for me to then um, build on and it's enabled me to to have the highlights like working with HSF to and, you know, John O'Donoghue and, and 
you know, the team to, to put together that pricing team in the first place. I think that was a real highlight. I think the other highlight is is what I'm living now. It's being able to create sort of my own role and to build it around my skill set. Yeah. And, and to learn on the job, I think, is going to be, when I look back, quite a highlight. Yeah. And as you've mentioned there, you know, that openness for learning and wanting to develop and then also wanting to help other people learn and develop as well, I think is a a great quality to have and something that you believe passionately in, don't you? I know you you really enjoy the mentoring side. I do. I I really enjoy working with lots of people and coaching people. And actually, I I see a lot of the time when I'm working with partners, I see my role really as, as coaching the information out of them or, or, or coaching enough information out of them to be able to advise. So, so yeah. there's the mentor sort of role with more junior staff, but then I, I also quite enjoy the coaching of, of the more senior and far more intellectual people too. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And what about challenges for you, Verity? Oh, there's been loads. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's been quite a few. I think the main theme throughout my life is that I can be an acquired taste and sometimes it takes a little bit of time for people to understand where I'm coming from or to just trust that actually I will I'll do what I'm saying I'm going to do I think getting buy-in from partners particularly at Mishkondorea when I first moved across and it was a a whole new ball game, both for me, but also for the partners who, you know, the BD team that came in at that point were really trying to change the game and change yeah. the perception of BD at Mishkontorea. So I think that was a, a really challenging time. And, and initially, I don't think it's any secret, initially, I really hated it. I found it really hard to adjust to a law firm culture. And, but not long after joining, really, I was able to just sort of build some trust with one or two partners, do something good, and they'd tell others. And then it snowballed from there. And, and I think we were successful as a team in, in changing BD at Mishcon at the time. But again, it's interesting, isn't it? One of your challenges, and you don't back down from challenges. So maybe some of the people that were finding it really hard would have thought, this isn't for me. Um, I'm going to move on and you stayed you dug your heels in you found ways around it you built relationships with partners so that you could really have an impact and and make those changes so a strength I, of yours Verity I certainly thought of fleeing um a fair <laughs> few times in in several different roles but yeah I don't like to be beaten overall I think I've managed to turn every role that I've done into something slightly different to how it was before so that it suits my way of working which you know is is a challenge in itself but I've always thought that I need to make the role something that I'm going to be good at yeah rather than bend myself into into that yeah you've you've kept authentic which is one of the most important things I think isn't it develop a career yeah I I think I don't know I don't know how to be any different yeah because I, I think authenticity is just really important and how did you find during that period of time I know you had two young children uh, you're in a demanding role you've got partners breathing down your neck wanting things at certain times how did you and I'm not going to use the term work-life balance because I think that does that exist I'm not sure it does but how did you manage it all I have a really supportive husband which is is really helpful Um, and he was particularly supportive when I went back to work so soon after the kids were were born you know I, I popped them in the nursery and and off I off I went I've always managed to be able to 
just juggle it mm-hmm. and I don't tend to like and I, and some people do and that's absolutely fine but I don't tend to like having nine till five working and then the rest of the time not working I've always kind of merged merged the two a little bit I've never really been too afraid of either saying to somebody I'm I can't be there at that time because I'm always willing to say I can't be there at that time or I can't get I can't do this for you straight away but I will do it by then or I can do it then and following up in that way um yeah. and the reason I can do that is like I say because I've got a supportive husband who who can help with the kids and give me 10 minutes to finish off that email or or yeah whatever it needs to be so I think I've juggled it that way and there's been jobs where I've worked from 7 a.m till 11 p.m and nearly burned out at times but but now I take a you know a much more sort of um, measured view relaxed approach yeah. a measured view of just um. explaining to people that you know this is when I'm going to be able to do that by um if you're saying it's really important if it's you know honestly really important then let me see if I can move things around but but yeah. really managing people's expectations about that yeah that's massively a skill in itself isn't it and just making people aware as you say not saying yes to everything it's more of a, a conversational piece where you can say this is when I can do it by what are your expectations these are what I can deliver yeah and then working yeah. together isn't it and it's not a yes or or a no. I mean, I've been uh, in law firms long enough to know that that every law firm goes through, or every BD team within every law firm goes through that process of deciding they're going to say no to things mm. that they shouldn't be doing, and that's that's the you know the right thing to do. But but I've never taken it as a absolute no. I'm not doing that. It's always been a yeah. have you thought about doing it this way, or actually I don't think that's the best approach. I think perhaps we should do this instead kind of yeah, approach so it's just that, that, it's offering solutions and ultimate flexibility but that flexibility goes both ways so I have no problem taking an hour and a half at lunch if I need to go and do something I know that I'll make that time up somewhere else yeah I'm sure you've got lots of uh, if it was loo time I'm sure you'd have lots of loo time out for you if it's stacked up and where do you think that marketing and business development is going and moving forward I, I think you know it's been interesting hasn't it over the last two years how quickly some of the areas have progressed because they've had to for even you know remote um, ways of working and webinars and seminars all sorts of things and there seems to be lots of people that I speak to have got an even greater relationship with partners because of the pull together of firms during the pandemic but what's the next step then is it is it more around the pricing element is it more data analytics where do you think the market's going it's probably all of the all all of the above everything I think yeah I think what we'll probably see is we'll see more of these sort of newly created almost bespoke roles that are built around what that particular firm needs and what the people within that firm are able to offer so I think we'll see business development moving much more into the client facing client focused revenue generating piece and I think that could be you know it it could be anything depending on what that particular firm needs so I definitely think data will pay a huge part I, I as you say I think pricing will become more and more bespoke and sophisticated but I also think that we'll see sort of consultant type roles popping up where you know, for example, at Simmons, we have a, a new vacancy for an ESG BD lead. You know, just we'll, right. we'll see more of that kind of thing that that depending on what's going on in the market and, and what's going on in the firm, I think we'll see more of those just 
different roles being yeah. created so that it's not always BD manager of a practice area or BD manager of a sector. Yeah, more bespoke uh, roles depending on the firm more and bespoke. what the needs are. Yeah. And I think we'll see more products as well and more of a sales piece coming into business development within law firms, which I think is really quite exciting. That's a good thing, I think, about business development and marketing. It, it never stays still. It's always developing it and moving forward. So, you know, particularly for someone like yourself, Verity, who loves um, the challenge, that's, uh, there's lots so, of to, to make things it. up. <laughs> <laughs> it's ideal. And what about words of wisdom? If there's somebody looking uh, to get into law, into business development and marketing, what would your words of wisdom be? I think I have a few. I think when I speak to so the interns on the, you know, that are considering, that are really young, the really young interns that are considering um, law, I tell them not to limit their mind to thinking that means they have to be a lawyer, that there are some really great careers within law firms that that aren't based on advising people on the law. There's a whole pit crew of people that, you know, are really good at their jobs and, and you know, really professional that, that they yeah. should they should also consider other other roles. I think my other words of wisdom are, are probably just show no fear in the first place. You know, be be respectful. But if you have a point of view to put across to to a partner or to somebody more senior than you, then think it through and think about your approach. But don't be afraid of once you've thought it through, actually having that conversation and of and of challenging people if you think you you know you have a, a something to say or a, a better idea. Find your sponsors and just make sure that you really stick to the find the people that believe in you and try and stick to them and and see if you can use that belief to help you through in your career and then I, I think the other point is going back to what I said earlier is there is always something to do so don't think that as you progress through your career you can leave the boring tasks or the crappy tasks behind because more often than not you're bringing those with you what you're doing is you're expanding your top level work, but you're not necessarily lose your bottom level work. Yeah. Don't think that you've not progressed if you've had to keep that that sort of admin. Every BD team is under-resourced. There's no way of having enough resource because of the nature of yeah. the game. Um, and it's hard so, to find people at the moment as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Fantastic. Well, I have to say, Verity, thank you so much for your time today. I found that was really interesting. And uh, I think your message around being authentic, getting your voice heard and, and really finding your sponsors, but also paying it forward again has, has resonated throughout the conversation today. So thank you so much and look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for having me.